I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Um, today I have Mark Caesar with me. Uh, Mark, is, he started his real estate journey with wholesaling in 2015. Um, he closed multiple deals in the Philadelphia area and as recently as 2019, um, sort of moved on to uh, the multifamily space. So Mark, thanks for, thanks for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. It's an honor for me to be here with you as well. Yeah, and people won't be listening to this today, but Mark is is doing me the the very big service of being here on his birthday, actually. So we'll say happy birthday to Mark. Um, Mark, why don't you go ahead and sort of tell people your story, your background, kind of where you got started with with real estate, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. Sure, sounds good. So um, basically, um, I'm a Brooklyn, New York kid. Um, 34, well, I'm 35 now, I feel old, but <laughs> I started my journey back in, really in 2012, um, I got introduced to the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I forgot who gave it to me, might've been my, my wife, then girlfriend, and, you know, she, she gave me the book, and I guess that's, like, the best book that changed my whole mindset and dynamic of uh, entrepreneurship, as I'm sure it is for every uh, majority of the listeners out there. And it really just opened my eyes to a different world out there more than, you know, waking up at XYZ, you know, time in the morning, stuck in traffic and punching the clock and coming back home and doing all over again. So I really loved the book. I, I think I pretty much read that book a, a couple of dozen times and yeah. real estate was, you know, real estate was the deciding factor you know it, it proved to show that there's so much flexibility in real estate there's um you know majority of the the wealthy out there going from going dating back from how long has always invested in real estate and it's always been, been a wealth strategy and I just really wanted to find out my where I fit in that cycle to sort of get out of the rat race as uh Robert Kiyosaki so eloquently put it yeah and Starting, I started with pretty much nothing. So I, I was, again, I was a college kid. I didn't have much money, uh, you know, job was a uh, part-time job. So I really was, I was really lacking a lot of resources and pretty much I, I had to sort of hustle my way through the, through the entrepreneurial sector, really uh, grit and grind basically. And, you know, thank God they were, tech, you know, technology was already booming. So we had the YouTubes, we had the social medias. So you, we had access at our fingertips to a lot of stuff um, in that at that tenure, and wholesaling just made sense for me at that time. You know, I wanted to sort of grow my cash and get that that pile of cash. And again, I will emphasize, I was still a kid, so kids will do what kids do. You know, teenager will will do what teens do. You know, will yeah. sort of just spend money um, frivolously and not really care about it. And I 
started learning how to wholesale and I started, it took me about two years to get my first deal done. So from 20, I think I did my first deal in 2015 and I tried to do it in New York. It did not work. Uh, the market and the margins were just too, too uh, tough to tap into. So like most people, I, well, typically the typical individual probably take that as the loss and really quit and throw in the towel. But I decided to think outside the box and I say, Hey, you know what? 50 States, Let's try somewhere else. And, you know, I just happened to see a post on Facebook about um, my current, my then partner who was making a killing in wholesale in Philadelphia. And I just reached out to her. We never knew each other from Adam. And I just reached out to her and say, hey, I can provide the leads. I'll do the market on my end. You be the boots on the ground. Let's make it happen. And, you know, she definitely did not believe me at first. And as soon as we hung up the phone, I just started writing. I wrote about two, 300 letters, handwritten, stamped and everything. And I mailed it out. And within a week, we had an investor who called us and say, hey, you know, I ran out of money. I want to sell this deal. How can you help me? And she was surprised. And we, we netted 10K out of that deal. And that was, again, that's two years later. And it was such a breather. It was like, wow, OK, this thing is real. It's doable. Yeah. I want to do it again. So, you know, we, we definitely. Um, made it happen. I made a killing throughout that time. Again, Philadelphia at that point in time in 2015, it was still in uh, a market that was starting to emerge where you can pop, probably find houses for literally $500. And I've seen it happen. I did not believe it and I've seen it. So it comes to show that resilience is very important in this space. And especially in anything that you do, you have to be resilient. You have to learn to put yourself out there and step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's, 100% true, you know, the, the points of that you just made there. And also, uh, I think that, you know, sort of your story there kind of demonstrates all of that, right? So, you know, you started out, um, what, what were you doing? You said you had a part-time job. Were you just kind of trying to figure it out when you started wholesaling? Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, I was either working at um, Santander Bank at that point in time or um, MTA Bridges and Tunnels at, at that time. I can't remember recall exactly yeah. the date yeah. but it wasn't really it was pretty much just an, a meeting and you know just to cover my daily right. living expenses and so forth yeah yeah a, a job to, to pay the bills yeah um and so then you started with wholesaling which i think uh well i guess do me a favor mark and, and kind of actually define wholesaling for any listeners who don't know because i think it's to a lot of people getting started it might be something that they hear about, but maybe don't understand exactly how that works. So maybe explain the process a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, wholesaling is basically where it's just a glorified middleman, basically. It is where we come in as an individual or a company, we uh, we market for distressed sellers and distressed assets. So individuals that are underwater, that are facing foreclosure or they just pretty much just vacated the house and out of sight, out of mind, because for whatever reason. So we would come in and typically just market to those sellers. We'll find them, we'll contact them and, and we'll negotiate with them. Like, hey, we see this house here. You know, we see this house at 123 Main Street. It's abandoned, it's vacant, and it's an eyesore in the neighborhood. What is, we'll, we'll find out what is your pain point? You know, what's your, what's your issue? What's the story? Why did you leave it? Why, why don't you want it? And from there, we'll gain the motivation from that seller and we will negotiate that, you know, try to buy for 50 cents to 75 cents on a dollar. And by doing so, we'll put it on a contract and we'll have equitable interest in that property. And in turn, 
will flip that contract and that equitable interest over to an end buyer who's either going to fix and flip it and put it back to the market for a retail buyer to come in and move into it, or they'll just fix it and rent it and keep it in their portfolio. Sure, sure. So yeah, that's a, that's a great explanation. Thank you. And and I would argue that you're not just a glorified middleman. I think you're actually doing a lot of the work for, I, in in my opinion, you know, sort of the the flip flipping and uh, renovating to rent. Although they're different endpoints, they're kind of a similar process, right? You're you're still renovating that house, and then you're either going to just sell it right away, like you said, or you're going to set it up to rent uh, and and hold on to that long term, but. That you can really break that process into down into sort of two components, right? You have to obtain the deal. It, if you don't get a good deal, then it's not going to make sense from a numbers point to do a flip or even do, you know, some people refer to it as a burr. But so I think the wholesaling side of it takes one of those very, I think, difficult jobs out of that. Like if if I were flipping houses. I want to buy from wholesalers. I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't want to do that part. I think that's a, a lot of work. So I, I, I guess I would just say I, I give you more credit than, <laughs> than maybe you just gave, gave yourself by saying glorified middleman. I think it's a, a very important part of the process. And either a flipper or a, a burr type of investor has to do that themselves, or they have to find you know a reputable wholesaler to to get those deals from. And then, so you and so when you wholesale you get essentially a, a wholesaling fee that then, right. you know, so that's also calculated into those numbers. Yeah, so you definitely, um, you get to choose your assignment fee, which I, as they call it in the space. And of course you wanna, you wanna have the end buyer in mind because they're, th they're taking majority of the risk because they're putting up the capital, they're taking out the loan and so forth. So you want to always have them in mind first above your fee. So you want to make sure that there's enough margin for them to make money on the back end since they're taking a bulk right. of the risk. Right. And if that's the case, they'll be glad to pay you whatever. They'll, they won't argue with you if you decide that, hey, right. you know, we have a property, for example, we found a property that's uh, $100,000. The seller asked for it. We got the seller down to $40,000 and it needs about $10,000 um, in rehab. And they can add the after repair values way over 130. A buyer will jump at that. And as long as the numbers make sense and you can validate it, you can charge us, you can pay yourself $20,000. And I've done it plenty of times. But the thing with wholesale nowadays is that a lot of wholesalers are so focused on the assignment fee and they see that, hey, I can make $50,000 and I don't care about the buyer. As long as the buyer buys it, I'm okay. You can't think that way because again, you have to put yourself in that in, in the buyer's shoes. Whereas, okay, if I'm the buyer, will I pay? Will I overpay for something and make ten thousand dollars on it? You know, I'm taking the risk of flipping it and dealing with contractors, the headaches and the hassle. I'd rather go to someone who knows how to wholesale, who knows how to run the numbers, and who's not going to be greedy and will leave me on the bone for me as the investor to make money as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great point, right? Pro provide value to others before yourself, yeah. and and you'll you'll get it back in you know in multiples of that. So I think if you create that good reputation for for thinking about that end investor, 
you're going to be the guy that they're going to want to buy deals from. You're going to be the guy that they trust. And so you're going to definitely have more transactional uh, activity that way than you would if you were just trying to <laughs> squeeze every dollar out of each deal for yourself before you pass it on to someone else. So makes yeah. makes total sense. And I love that philosophy. Um, another you know, thing in regards to wholesaling that I think comes up a lot. And, and I know it's sort of regional or state by state, but so did, did you get your real estate license? Were you required to get your real estate license? How did that sort of work for you? I did. Great question. I did not have to get the license. Um, then that is, um, I pretty much just really did business at, because I was doing, I lived in New York and I had to do business in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the township of, of Pennsylvania, basically, they required you to have a DBA. So you'd have to do business as since you're working for, um, in two different cities and so forth. So I did it that way. But uh, again, as I mentioned, a lot of has changed over the years. And from when I, I'm not currently wholesaling at the moment, but a yeah. lot has changed. So a lot of cities are starting to crack down on wholesaling, whereas they're putting in place systems where either you can only wholesale for a certain amount um, in that state. I know Chicago's doing it now. I think Philadelphia, you have to get some sort of licensing. Uh, I don't believe it's a real estate license, but you have to get some form of licensing to validate that you are a wholesaler. So they're cracking down and it's because a lot of uh, illegal activity being done um, occurring through yeah. that space. So this is why I say it's very um, imperative that if you're working with a wholesaler, you want to make sure that you're working with someone who's above board, who's um, on the up and up and make sure that they have your best interest as well as the sellers and yourself and, and that wholesale is at heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it goes to show you, you've got to kind of stay on top of what your, what the regulations are in your area, right. As, yeah. as the wholesaler or whatever, as the, you know, whatever area of real estate you're in, you better make sure that you're sort of doing it uh, <laughs> legally and, and, you know, ethically. So I think that, yeah, it seems, seems like from what I've heard, a, a handful of sort of bad apples in the wholesaling space are making it more difficult for the people that are actually, you know, sort of doing it, doing it the way it should be done. So uh, unfortunate that that would happen, but, you know, I think that sometimes people try to take care of, take, take advantage of the system. Um, so you, you were wholesaling. Now, you transitioned to multifamily. Did you sort of go straight from wholesaling to multifamily? Did you do anything else in between? Like, did you flip any of your houses or anything like that? I guess. I did not. I wish I did. And everyone who asked me that question, I always tell them I always uh, slap myself in the back of the head because um, at the point in time when I jumped into wholesaling, as I mentioned um, prior, houses were really cheap. You can find, yeah. I've wholesaled houses for $500, $800. But again, being a teenager and I'm coming into that kind of money and not having a proper structure or mentor to sort of navigate me and tell me what I should do. I pretty much, of course, I reinvested in my business, but I spent my money. Of course, I have no problem saying that. And I hope this is a le learning lesson for anyone else out there who's yeah. listening. But um, I never... I regret not buying assets then because now when I'm looking at the Philadelphia market, even though I'm not wholesaling currently, a house that used to cost two thousand dollars, you can't find it for nothing less than you know a hundred thousand and plus. Right. So yeah. the equity in in that area, in whatever area you're looking into, has skyrocketed dramatically, and 
should I, if I had positioned myself and actually bought something and held on to it or just paid the taxes and, you know, fixed it up over time, it would have been a win-win for me now. But again, you live, you learn, but you know, that's right. mistakes that I, I work on not making again. And I encourage people, if you see a market is, uh, is, is struggling, you know, analyze the market, study the market. If it makes sense for you to buy and hold it, do so because again, and just study the markets to see when the trends are, when there's going to be a turn because you never know when the turn is going to be. Yeah. It may take a few, it may take a year, it may take five, but again, if you're, if you position yourself properly, you can ride that wave and, and make that turn and it can be very profitable, profitable for you in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, you know, that, that saying about, you know, we, you, the best thing to do is sort of buy real estate and wait, you know, you don't wait to buy real estate, you buy real estate and wait. It, it really just speaks to the, the time factor, uh, the advantage of time factor in real estate. It's like over 10, 20 years time, it's going to be real hard for you to find something that didn't dramatically increase in its value through that time. So if you can think long-term and I think, you know, you talk about, you were young and didn't necessarily do, you know, all the smart things with the money. Me too. Like I, <laughs> I worked a lot when I was young. I've always worked. And it's just like, I, to me, one of my passions in, in doing this podcast and also just in the real estate space is financial education and literacy for young people. Right. Because I mean, you, you said you turn 35 and you feel old. I'm 46. I feel real old. And I just think about like, if I had started 10 years ago, 20 years, you know, whatever, in, in a, a larger scale and thought of the long term, I'd probably be done now. I mean, really, yeah. I, I could already be able to work when I wanted to work if I wanted to work. And it, you know, it, it just speaks to what, if you're willing to kind of, you know, sacrifice a little bit, uh, you know, have <laughs> maybe not be so focused on only fun when you're young, you'll, you'll, have that advantage so that when you're in your 30s and 40s then you can kind of do whatever you want and you won't have those those money worries so i i actually really uh i really appreciate you sharing that because i do think that's important for other people to see and you know here you are now you know successful doing things and but you can still look back and say hey if i had <laughs> just done a few, I mean, you probably held on to two of those houses and you, you would be in a much better situation just given it, given the time frame. So, um, so you, you changed to multifamily. Tell me a little bit about, you know, sort of why that happened and what, how, how that transition worked for you. Sure. And this dates back to, this goes back to Rich Dad Poor Dad again. Um, Robert definitely um, depicts the notion of I guess it, it comes from the whole monopoly game where you buy five, four or five houses and you know convert into one red building. And right. it stuck yeah. with me. And I've always loved that. I've always, you know, of course, living in New York, surrounded by um, high rises and apartment buildings, I've always wondered, you know, how can I get that? How can I buy that? Mm -hmm. But I've had a notion in the back of my head that it's only the wealthy 1% who can buy them. You know, someone who can out of nowhere just say hey here's a million dollars cut a check for a million dollars and buy them and you know that sort of that roadblock that mental block sort of kicked in and I just really avoided apartments because I felt that hey you know I'm not 
adequate assort, assort to actually buy it because I don't have the financial backing and so forth. And yeah. again, 2018, um, I realized that wholesaling started um, becoming a job because again, I was a one-man shop. I, I did everything on my end and I did not have the proper system to scale it. So I felt that I did not need another job. Um, I needed passive income. And, you know, as reading books, listening to, you know, a ton of videos, again, as I mentioned earlier, the wealthy, the wealthy, they all invest in real estate and they all have streams of income, passive income is coming in. So I, you know, I made it my duty to start reading more about passive income and how to get it. And I came, I stumbled across, um, I mean, across a gentleman by the name of Michael Blanc. And he, uh, I watched his webinar and everything just really clicked. And again, I just took the leap of faith and invested in education. I bought into his program and I think that's the best uh, money I could have ever spent. Um, pretty penny, but it was really worth it. And it really showed me that anyone can invest in apartment buildings. You know, a regular average Joe like myself with a nine to five, I can do it as well because a lot of people are doing it. And I've learned, you know, I, I had the chance to learn the lingo, learn the verbiage, learn the, you know, how to systemize everything and so forth. And it all clicked. And ever since that, I said, you know what? I want to do apartment buildings because it allows me to actually move towards a legacy factor. And I think the old saying is try to earn the slow dime opposed to the fast dollar. So I did not want to just really focus on having a lump sum of cash because again, of course, capital, capital gains taxes and so forth will kick in. But I wanted to earn that slow dime where every month I can have that income coming in and I can have the quote unquote mailbox money coming in. So that enticed me a lot. And I definitely wanted to always leave something behind for my children in the event of, you know, something happening, they'll have something to fall back on to cover, you know, their expenses and their lifestyle. So yeah. that's what intrigued me about apartment investing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, it's true. It's kind of, uh, I've had sort of a similar mindset shift myself. I, I'm, I'm a veterinary surgeon. That's my sort of day job, but I, I have always loved real estate and I've worked in construction and things like that. And so I initially thought, okay, when I'm sort of really ready to get going with it, I was going to flip houses. And my, what I realized is I don't, I don't need another job. I, I like construction and it's fun. And someday I'll flip houses with my kids just so they can do it. But it's, it's not something that like fits in my life right now. And so as like you kind of got, you know, interested in multifamily because it's, it's a, it's not that it's not a lot of work. It's just that once it's in place, then it can provide you with that passive income. And so it's not just this constant, you know, treadmill of trying to get to the next flip or the next wholesale or whatever, uh, whatever, you know, sort of line of real estate you're working in. And so once you did that, so you did the, the Michael Blanc program and now where are you at? Have you, uh, do you have some, um, deals that you've done kind of want to go through where you're at with that? Sure. So, um, again, in 2019, I actually had a deal, I think, uh, on the contract was within six months of the program and I was very excited. And, um, for a new guy coming in, I had a 97 unit under contract out in Amarillo, Texas. And due diligence, uh, a lot of things started popping up and it was just like a whole lot of red, um, you know, red flags popping up. And 
my partners and I, we decided to back away from the deal. And for good reason, because we could not sort of equate all of these things that were popping up, how we cannot account for them or how we can make it work in our business plan. So we decided to back out. And thankfully we did, and we, we did not put any, uh, any, nothing went hard, no investors lost any money. And that's the main thing about me. When I, when I raised money and that was my first time raising money, my partner and I, we raised, uh, I think it was slightly over half a million dollars for that deal. And we just, we, my mindset is I want to make sure my investors are protected. Even if I have my money vested into the deal, I, I want to make sure that my investors' money are is protected and they can get their money back. Yep. So we decided not to proceed, follow through with that deal, and everyone got their money back. So that was a plus. And I pretty much been looking at deals ever since then. Um, I did revert backwards. Uh, just the sidebar, I did revert backwards in 2020 back to wholesaling and. Unfortunately, the pandemic kicked in and my business really took a nosedive. So that definitely told me that, hey, you were good where you were at in multifamily. Just go back and start systemizing things. And I've been there ever since. And I unfortunately, I've been outbidding in every deal. Like I think I recently got outbidden on the deal uh, two weeks ago. Uh, it was a uh, 102 unit in North, Car in North Carolina. I got outbidded as well. So it's a very competitive market right now. Um, a lot of people are willing to pay over asking and pay a premium and not worry about the blowback on the back end. So I can't do that because again, I still, I'm still new. I'm still, you know, gaining, trying, trying to get my first deal done. And I want to be more credible. I don't want to put anyone in jeopardy because again, this is a small building, I mean business. And if you screw up one time, you're pretty much blackballed. You know, as they say, your first impression is the last one. So I definitely want to make sure that my first yeah. impression with my first deal is one that is profitable, one that is strategically thought out. And I have a sound business plan. I make sure that my investors are comfortable with and that we can execute. So I'm, I'm very meticulous and cautious right now. And I'm looking at a ton of deals, but nothing's really panning out. But I try to be a strategic partner. So I, I, in the event that where I can't find my deal myself, I try to position myself where I can bring value to someone else who has a deal. And as a strategic partner, where if they're in need of capital, if they're in need of someone to sign on the loan, if they're in need of someone to sort the deal, I try to show, show where I can bring value within those dynamics. And in return, I don't really ask for much, but if they invite me to the deal, then that's great. If not, at least I know that I help someone else, uh, you know, get a little closer to their goal and to their dream. Yeah. And in return, I know that I'm going to learn a lot and it's going to reciprocate over time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I am, uh, I share a very, very similar experience over the last year in terms of, you know, sort of difficulty in finding deals and things like that. I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we're unique in that the deals are, uh, hard to find. The cap rates are really compressed. People are, there's a lot of people trying to break into syndication. And so, you know, that's, that's where you're getting these, you know, sort of deals, the prices running up and things like that. And I think that, I mean, you're hundred percent, right. You, you have to put the investors first, right? So you can't just, I mean, 
hey, maybe if you're buying it on your own, if you somehow have the ability to buy an apartment complex with just your own money and you want to take a little extra risk, okay, then it's your money. But when you're doing that with other people's money, which is really what syndication is, it's going to be, you need to take that seriously. You need to, to really be a good steward of their hard-earned uh, hard uh, capital. So uh, I, I commend you for being patient. Uh, I, I know how hard it is. So I, <laughs> I, I commend you for that. And I think it's absolutely the 100% way to go. And, and you know, your point about strategic partnerships is, is also what I've just tried to be opportunistic, be, be out there, try and, you know, keep networking, try and meet people and, and see what value, you know, can be provided to them. And if you get to be a part of the deal, awesome. You know, and that's, that's kind of, I think that's the way to go. And I think in the long run, going that way, I I have to imagine is, I have to believe that it's going to shake out better. You know, there's probably going to be a lot of people that are potentially doing some bad deals just to, just to get, just to do a deal. And I, I don't wish this on them, but you know, if the market takes a downturn, it's, it's probably going to be hard to, to make those things uh, continue to cash flow and pencil out. So, um, you know, keep, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this for both of us, just keep on, keep on being patient. I, I totally get where you're at. Um, that's awesome though, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I, I would say, uh, what I what I'd like to do now is is kind of get to some of the questions that I like to ask each guest. Um, the name of the podcast is the Know Your Why podcast, and so I would love it if you could share with us what what your why is. You know, really, what drives you, what what pushes you towards success, what allows you to be patient. You know, kind of what's that? <laughs> what is your why in in uh, in moving forward, and especially in in multifamily or or life in general. Sure. My why is I would say I'm very family driven. So they they motivate me a ton because again, I didn't I did not grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, uh with uh, you know, with a big family, a big wealthy family. We were, you know, normal average Americans. We work hard and I've seen the struggle and the the workload that my parents had to endure. And I've never wanted that for myself or for my children. And I've also wanted to make sure that my parents were taken care of, uh, you know, and enjoy the remaining years of their lives. So everything that I do is solely um, is very heavily family oriented. And of course, as I mentioned before, I'm, I wholeheartedly believe in legacy. I want to leave a legacy factor for my wife and my children. And even that, you know, I'm no longer here where they don't have to worry for anything. They don't have to have a yes. care in the world where they know that, okay, this month my bills are going to get paid college tuition is going to get taken care of if i want to start a business it's, it's happening or if i want to take over the family business that dad took over that started we can do that so i want to make sure that they're taken care of and that legacy can continue that they know how not to just rely on a nine to five but to be very entrepreneurial minded and take control of your destiny and you know just pass that legacy along to the future generations yeah yeah no i i love that that's uh my why is very similar. It's, it's my family. It's, it's my, it's really was the birth of my son that, that sort of made me decide I need to make this happen. So it's kind of, it was that, I, I, I think they are, uh, are very motivating. That That's really my, that's my yeah. take on it. Um, okay. Well, tell me something, tell us the, me, the listeners, tell us something about yourself that 
maybe people don't know about you, uh, you know, whether that's a hobby, a guilty pleasure, some, you know, hidden skill or wh whatever it is, t tell me something that that is is unique. Well, I I am, a, I'm very sports. Uh, I love sports. Um, I am a big uh, basketball and football fan. I used to play football in high school and um, I could have went a little further, but again, I got injured and that was the end of it. So my hopes of becoming an NFL player were shot down very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So that's that a common started. story there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, I, I love football. I'm a big Eagles fan, um, basketball. I'm a big Chicago Bulls fan. So please, guys, don't hate me if you hear this. <laughs> um, yeah, and my time again, I just I just really love spending time with my family. Um, you know, I try to make sure every 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 minute I can get with them is is uh, it's worthwhile. Yeah. You know, I'm short, you know, I don't like wasting time. And I, I try to make sure that I can instill into them what, you know, what I what was instilled into me and, and then some. Yeah, great, great. Uh, how are you an Eagles fan if you live in New York? How does, how does that, <laughs> how does that work out? I never fancied any New York team for some weird reason. Um, I was just, attracted to Philadelphia. I have no idea why they, at that point in time, when I started liking them, um, they really were just flourishing and I saw promise. And ever since then, you know, I've rolled with them. I've rolled the wave ever since then. Okay, great. Well, I, I, I can appreciate fan loyalty. I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan originally from Boston. So it's, that's my, uh, that's my team, and uh, <laughs> we had a lot of good years, but now it's a little, it's a little iffy at the moment once Tom Brady left, but we'll see. Uh, all right, so tell me, I see we've got some, uh, luckily people will be able to see some of the ways to connect from you and or connect with you, and we'll put them in the show notes, but what, what's the best way for people to reach you, Mark? Uh, the greatest way is on LinkedIn, so um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to linkedin.com slash n slash Mark Caesar, M-A-R-C-C-E-S-A-R. Um, I also am very active on, um, I also host a weekly meetup on my end as well that is tailor fitted for multifamily investors, whether you're new or you're seasoned. We have content for all classes where um, if you're looking to uh, crack, take a stab into the space, or if you're looking to really build your network and connect with other individuals. Again, I deem myself a people connector. So I strategically created this group where I can connect people. So you can definitely uh, visit that. Um, I do have a, a link tree with all, well, all so many tabs, so many uh, contact, different ways you can contact me. So the link tree is uh, linktr.ee forward slash Mark Caesar again it's M-A-R-C-C-E-S-A-R. -E you um once you go there you can find all the ways all the various ways to um, contact me and, and get in touch with me. Okay. Okay, perfect. Um like I said we'll get we'll get that stuff in the show notes so that uh people can can reach you in, in whatever fashion. Tell me what I can do to help you uh or anyone listening what we, what can we do to help you help you succeed and, and reach your next set of goals. Sure. Well, first for, for, for starters, I need a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all need deals, but um, really and truly, I'm I'm looking to one of my biggest goals this year is to actually get my first syndication done. Whether it be on a smaller scale or a larger scale, I really just want to 
get that feeling and that win of saying, yes, I did a syndication. Uh, it's one that works and everybody's happy in the process. So I definitely would like to connect with individuals who are doing deals and see where I can bring value. And of course, Jason, if, if, uh, if you need anything from me, um, you know, whether it's connection with uh, someone that you may not have come across within our similar network, uh, feel free to reach out. Again, I, I can provide whatever resource you need. My resource, my resources are always at um, everyone's disposal. But yeah, I'm really looking to just connect with individuals and see where I can fit in on their team and bring that that value that they need or alleviate uh, some pressure from them to make sure that they can focus on what matters to them most. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Tell me, um, I mean, maybe we can make some connection through this podcast too. What do you have specific markets that you're looking in just so people might know uh that, you know, if they're focused, if you have similar uh, focuses that might be able to reach out to you? Sure, sure. I'm uh, heavily focused right now on North Carolina and um, the northern parts of Florida. So the Tallahassee, Tampa and um, Jacksonville markets as well. Um, I tiptoe into Texas here and there. So for Texas, I really look into the Lubbock area, the Amarillo's, I try to stray away from the major MSAs as uh, the DFWs, the Houston, because again, so many operators are there and they've are a lot of big guys, uh, big names have already cornered the market. So I don't believe in competition. And that's, that's one of the things that I preach a lot is I don't believe in competition because again, we're all going to see the same deals. We're probably speaking to the same brokers. I truly believe instead of uh, competing with each other, let's collaborate and let's see how we can put our heads together and unique skills and buy the deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that, Mark. Um, well, great. Uh, I, hopefully we can, you know, get, make some connections here. Um, I, I, very much appreciate you coming and being on the podcast, uh, especially on your birthday. It's a it's a, a big ask, so I, I definitely appreciate your time. Um, I guess we'll get out of here for today, but but thank you so much, Mark. It, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story, and I hope this uh, it helps someone out there. Yeah, I, I think it will. <laughs>